Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. It's such an amazing honor to be giving you a new episode. And along with the new episode, I'm bringing a new guest. Her name is Bailey Stone. And Bailey, thank you so much for being the guest today. Why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, your family, fun fact, whatever you want to throw in there. Yeah, I would love to. First of all, thanks so much for having me, Jenny. And I don't know if you know this, but you have like a main character name. Like I would expect to open a novel and have the main character be named Jenny Markham. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, awesome. I had to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But um, I'm Bailey Stone. I am a life coach and I live in Montana with my husband and our army of houseplants. We have over a dozen. Uh, but yeah, my heart really beats for uh, women who are struggling to take the first step in their calling. Maybe they don't know what it is or they know what it is and they don't know how to operate in it with confidence. So that is me and that is the work that I'm passionate about doing. I love that you included more than a dozen houseplants because I too have more than a dozen houseplants. <gasps> yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that we have that connection. Yes, me too. When <laughs> I first got married, I was like, we were going to move in together. And then um, my husband was like, Jenny, I really don't know if all of these are going to fit in there. And I was like, no, really, they will. I promise they will. You just, you won't even know they're there. And now we've been married for almost a year and a half. He loves plants just as much as I do now. So they really do grow on you. <laughs> right. Yes, for sure. I was the one who brought home like a fiddly fig and um, very quickly started killing it. And my husband resurrected it. And that sparked a passion in him that I never knew he had. It's been a beautiful thing. That's phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Bailey, what have you been set free from? Mm, such a good question. Uh, I have been set free from anxiety. About 10 years ago, I had anxiety attacks on a daily basis. And they would crescendo sometimes into full-blown panic attacks. And like 10 years ago, I didn't have language for anxiety for a panic attack. I had no idea what it was, but I just lived every day in crippling fear. I was highly self-conscious. I had like the shaky hands and the irregular heartbeat and just all the terrible symptoms that come with uh, operating in anxiety. And I did all of the like praying for it to go away and trying to cast all my fears on the Lord. And Jenny, I just remember one day being like, God, this is not from you. I have prayed and prayed and asked and asked for you to take it. And I just took a stand and said, no more. I'm done with anxiety. I'm done with living this way. 
I'm done with feeling so defeated because I can't even hardly go gas up my car by myself without having a total breakdown. And the Lord was really faithful that day. It wasn't like the heavens opened up or like I never had anxiety again. But I just remember I felt just this overwhelming peace and the anxiety attacks became less and less. And when they did surface, I was able to manage them so much better. And I look back on that season now of just being so in bondage to anxiety and can't even fathom that I ever lived a day just so oppressed like that. So I love to share that story of being set free from anxiety. It was such a huge turning point in my life. Wow, that's incredible. And I just want to ask, but did you have anything specific you were anxious about or any specific thoughts that would pop in your head? when anxiety attacks would come? Or did you feel like you didn't know why? Mm, It was mostly social. So like social anxiety is kind of a a subset of, um, it's just kind of a a manifestation of anxiety. Mine was social. It was ordering my coffee at Starbucks. I was just like afraid I was going to get my order wrong. It was uh, going to a party where I didn't know people. Social settings were really like a catalyst for my anxiety attacks, but also I was a cross-country runner, and for whatever reason, like, I would be running in a pack of girls, and somebody might start overtaking me, or I might be in a race, and like, boom, I would just have a panic attack and wouldn't be able to breathe. So those were the two really distinct places that really triggered my anxiety. Wow. That kind of shocks me, because now you're a coach, and you work with people. And could you just tell me how different your work is now from who you once were? Yes, girl. Yes. I love that I used to not even be able to go to a social engagement where I didn't know somebody or didn't have a friend literally holding my hand like on the way in. And now I just love helping women cultivate that confidence and live in that freedom that I've found. Like it's a world's difference. Um, Am I the most extroverted cat on the street? No, Um, I'm still pretty introverted, but I love that I have a confidence and an assurance in who I am and who God is. And that just allows me to live my life in a totally 180 degree difference than how I was living it. That's awesome. Wow. I just want to like, I know we're not even done recording this episode, but I wanted to give it to people already. (laughs) That's awesome. So in your line of work, you're coaching women to understand who they are in Christ what they're called to do, or maybe not even saying the words like called to do, but what he's designed them to do. I feel like that's a better way of saying that. So my main audience is women who are 18 to 27. And I know that's your same main audience. And so many of them are going through huge transitions like graduating high school, graduating college, changing their major, um, Deciding to get married, deciding to have kids, deciding not to have kids, deciding not to get married, um, deciding to move states, anything like that. And so much anxiety can come up around those topics. And so in your line of work, how do you normally walk women through getting some steps and clarity on what they're individually designed to do? Oh, yeah. Yep. You hit the nail on the head because the reason I feel drawn to that population of women is because I was that girl. I was that girl struggling with the anxiety and the big questions and the big decisions. And I was that girl who didn't know what to do after graduating high school, college. 
but where the work always starts for me is getting tight with Jesus. And I feel like this is something for the longest time when I started doing this work, I just kind of glossed over. Like I assumed we were all walking with Jesus. We were all, uh, you know, in, in rich community with him, with our creator. But I found that even though we might be Christians or believers, when we start to wrestle with this question of what am I called to do? What am I designed to do? We might not be, uh, going to Jesus, like as the source, like as our clarifying source for those questions. So first and foremost, I encourage women to get tight with Jesus, get serious about hearing his voice and carve out time to be in his presence, because that is going to be like the most clarifying thing you could do. Uh, So that's where it always starts. But, you know, then we want the meat, like we want the steps, we want to know what are the things that we should be doing. And so where I would go from there is, I would encourage anyone who's kind of in that camp of trying to figure out what the heck to do with my life, get really clear about a couple things. And those things would be your gifts. What are your God given gifts? What are you good at? What are your strengths? Uh, Take some gifts finders, some gifts assessments, do the strengths finders. Uh, Also get in touch with your values. Like what are the things in your life that are most important to you? I don't think we spend enough time getting clear about our values. And the final thing I would say is uh, pay attention to your passions and the things that break your heart. Uh, Just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean it's a calling, but your passions and the things that break your heart often contain really big clues about how you are uniquely positioned to make an impact. Hmm. Yeah, I like how you included values in that list. Because what happened with me, um, about a year ago, I was in counseling. And um, I think we just did this like simple exercise where my counselor had me write down, uh, well, she actually had a list of things that I could possibly value. And so I underlined every one of them that meant something to me. And then I went back over the same list and narrowed it down to like 10 of them that were even more important to me. And then we went back over that list and I had to narrow it down to five. And then out of those five were my main core values. And it was like, this is so simple. Why haven't I ever taken the time to do this? Yeah. 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 It's a huge one, especially because once you realize like, oh, I have values, like I have deeply held beliefs and ideals that have been subconsciously kind of guiding my big decisions and my motivations. It is really radical when you take the time to figure out like, hey, what are mine? So good on your counselor for doing that exercise with you. I know it just whoever trained her, trained her well. (laughs) Amen. And a lot of times we grew up and you know, in this day and age, we do have so many options of places to go, things to do. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming because there's so much to choose from. So how could we get rid of decision paralysis where we feel like there's so many options, we don't end up choosing any of them? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we live in an age where analysis paralysis is not hard to get stuck in because there are so many things 
available for us these days, especially just with like, you don't even necessarily take on a traditional job anymore. Like you could have a side hustle or a hobby or so. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that we often find ourselves in that space of there are so many things I could do. Like, where do I even start? Uh, no surprise here. Y'all probably know what I'm going to say. It's got to start with conversation with God specifically asking him to speak loud about what his opinion is on your decision. Uh, It can be really hard and overwhelming in our own flesh to try to figure out what our next best move is, but God is really faithful to reveal that next best step, and he's really faithful to open doors and uh, sort of guide us in that direction if that's what we need. Um, to tie in a practical piece and just to go back to what we were just saying, Jenny, like this is where values are huge. Like if you're trying to make a big decision, but you are stuck in the analysis paralysis, go back to your values. What is most important to you and what values can you kind of pull on to make the best decision for you? Uh, and if the audience wants a little exercise or a like hot tip, uh, I would say play the movie forward, which is, uh, kind of a trick I've I've pulled from Cloud and Townsend, who are some really well-regarded psychologists uh, in the Christian personal development space. But they have this trick called play the movie forward, which is you just take a minute to visualize what happens three months, six months, one years down the road if I go with option A. And then you sort of repeat with option B or C. And you just imagine what the result is of the decision you make. And you kind of go with the best decision based on that exercise. Um, I hope that makes sense because it can be a really powerful exercise when done right. Yeah, like we imagine the end product in a way and then kind of take it backwards from there, right? Absolutely, yeah. And what came to mind for me just like as, as I was thinking, how, how can I make this practically practical and how can I tie in a visual? Um, it's like the bachelorette or the bachelor, like they have three <laughs> great guys in front of them, but they have to do the really uh, arduous work of figuring out like what future is going to be best. Is it with Mark or Matthew or John? I don't know, maybe a cheesy <laughs> tie-in, but. <laughs> you picked all Bible names. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, I did, girl. Yes, I did. That's hilarious. Um, and I think that the decision will be even easier for us because we're not on camera while we're making those decisions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Or like in five pounds of makeup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know that everyone who's about to graduate in May or in December or very soon, I know that they're probably getting that same question over and over and over that goes like, so what's next for you? (laughs) (laughs) And that question could honestly become pretty annoying, especially if we don't know the answer fully yet. So how would you encourage people to kindly respond to those things? Oh my goodness, because we all have spent too much time trying to explain to people what the heck we're doing after we graduate. So people who are about to step into that, I feel for you. Uh, I think the most important thing here is that it doesn't matter so much what you say in response to to that question uh, as how you say it. It's perfectly fine to say, I'm waiting on the Lord to reveal that, or I'm not sure yet. You just have to own it and be confident in that because of course, there will be those well-meaning people that 
take a job or say something insensitive, but it's perfectly okay to own it if you don't know what comes next. And it's also okay to just be really confident if you're like, yeah, I'm taking an entry-level job. Like, no matter what that next step is for you, I think if you just uh, hold your ground, own it, and communicate it confidently, uh, that is totally going to change the trajectory of the potentially really awkward conversations you might have to have with those people who are just really curious about what comes next for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. I also think that maybe I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but removing the word just from whatever our response is. So if you're taking an entry level job, um, if you say to the person, I'm just taking an entry level job, that sounds different than I'm taking an entry level job because the second one sounds more confident, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. And such a good tip, just removing that just from the beginning of your response. I love that. That's so good. And for anyone who is about to graduate, what would you just encourage them with as they feel the pressure and the mixed emotions of leaving college, of going off to start something, which is a whole new world? Hmm. Yeah, I remember that season being so scary because I had total tunnel vision in college. For me, it was like, just finish the coursework, just get to the end. And I couldn't even really picture what came after that last class. So my biggest encouragement would just be that it's all going to be okay. Uh, You don't have to get stuck at the first job you take. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out. Uh, I thought for sure the first job I took right out of college was going to forge my path and like seal my destiny. Um, So I think for anyone in that space of about to take that leap out of coursework and academic life, you have more time than you think uh, to figure out what it is that you want to do, or maybe even to wrestle with that big question of what have I been created to do? Hmm. And I feel like that kind of applies to, you know, actually, I don't know the story. And I'd love if you just share your story of finding coaching, becoming a life coach in some way. How did that happen for you? Ooh, I do love this question because it's a fun story, or at least I think it is. Maybe I'm biased, but (laughs) (laughs) so I was studying psychology in college and I really enjoyed the field of anxiety. field of anxiety, of psychology. Um, It was really fascinating to me. Psychology, not anxiety. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Keep going. (laughs) Uh, So psychology was so fascinating to me. And when my junior year rolled around, I needed to do an internship to fulfill some requirements at my university. And I had no idea where to look or what to do for a psychology internship that was interesting to me. And my mom just kind of casually was like, oh, we have this family friend who uh, started working at this startup as a coach. And that has a lot to do with the brain and it ties in a lot of psychology and you'll probably love it. Just send her a text. So I did. I just texted this family friend and a couple weeks later found myself at this life coaching firm. At the time, it was a startup. And uh, it was mostly executive coaches. So there's all different kinds of coaches, but I was exposed to the executive coaching world and I loved it. I soaked up everything I could 
And I left that internship convinced that I would become a coach as soon as I could. Uh, Later that year, I met a boy. And as many of us know, that is, you know, the pre-qualifier to just messing up a lot of our our best made plans. So (laughs) I love my husband dearly. I'm so glad I met him. And he totally changed the trajectory of what I had in store because after that internship, for me, it was like, that's it for me. Like, I'm just finishing the coursework and I'm becoming a coach. Uh, But as we, you know, dated, got engaged and started to picture our lives together, it became evident to me that the graduate program I had picked out for myself and the coaching certification I had picked out, that wasn't going to work for the season of being newly married and trying to figure out the marriage thing trying to figure out like the making money thing. Mm -hmm. So um, six months after I graduated, I just took the first job that would hire me. I went through a really terrible season of applying to all the jobs, going to a ton of awful interviews. And finally, when um, a a local community college was like, we want to hire you. I was like, okay, I'll do whatever for whatever Mm -hmm. pay. Like I will just do it. Yeah. Um, And that that's the job I alluded to being just really terrible. It was a terribly toxic work environment. Um, the job I had applied for was not really what I ended up doing. And what's sweet about that season is that my job was so terrible, I escaped into writing. Um, I still really wanted to be a coach, but being newly married, being in my terrible job, there wasn't much extra cash flow or time to go through a certification process. Uh, And that's something that was really important to me. Like if I was going to be a coach, I was going to get certified and I was going to do things um, right. So I poured my energies just into writing and to learning social media and to learning all the things I would eventually need to run and sustain my business. Uh, And I'm so fortunate that after about 18 months or so of working that really terrible job, My husband was like, okay, let's do it. Like, let's do the coaching certification. So that's a really long winded way of bringing to you, bringing you kind of to where I am today. Uh, I did get certified. I launched my business mm, about two years ago. I'm a little shy of two years at this point, but it's been so sweet. And looking back, I can just see God's hand in the timing and the situation and in every aspect of how it played out. Uh, but that is, yeah, essentially the long, the long winded version of how I got into coaching and and to doing what I'm doing today. Whose path really is linear from point A to point B to point (laughs) B, you know, and there isn't anything wrong with not going as you thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be so fantastic if I could look back and, have graduated college and have started my business that year, but I probably would have failed. Like my business would not have succeeded if I went from being a college graduate one week to uh, a coach the next. Just the way it played out is the way it was supposed to play out. And my journey involved a really terrible job. It involved uh, doing a lot of writing and odd jobs on the weekend and in the evening. So I think that's probably a space that a lot of your listeners might find themselves in. Like Maybe they are working just kind of a random job and not knowing where it goes. But uh, I would just say, like, be faithful to where you're at. And just going back to, like, it's so important to cultivate your passions or to pursue the things that you're interested in, even if they aren't necessarily the things that you're getting a paycheck for. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if any listener is like, who is this Bailey Stone? and How can I work <laughs> with her? Uh, where could they find you and potentially work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found at baileystonecoaching.com. And all of my social handles are Bailey Stone Coaching. Bailey is B-A-I-L-E-Y. And I also just want to encourage your audience to look into working with a coach. It would have saved me so much time and heartache if I had hired a coach sooner. And part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because I have put in a lot of hard work. I've hired the coaches and uh, I've taken the leap just to invest in myself. So I would say it's totally worth it. And I would love to connect with any of your listeners that are interested to uh, learn more. That's great. I'll link um, your website in the show notes for sure. And then everything else we mentioned. And Bailey, I just want to thank you so much for being the guest and speaking directly to this audience, who is so similar to your audience. So I'm so glad (laughs) it just plays together perfectly. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Jenny. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us.